0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are 10 days into the season. Uh, Some interesting uh, things going around in the hockey universe. Um, I am looking forward to watching uh, some more games. Haven't gotten a chance to see more than six or eight teams play so far. Um, also, uh, what sort of? Uh, where do you want to start today?
1: Uh, we got quite a bit on the plate here. Uh, I think I kind of want to start right at the top of the list here because that I when I saw this story. I was a little intrigued by it because I didn't realize this guy was retiring either.
0: I had no idea that he was retired or retiring either. Um, I knew he wasn't going to be playing in the, in North America anymore. Um, but yes, Ilya Kovalchuk is going to be head uh, or going to be the GM of the Russian Olympic team, uh, for Beijing. Um, which is two fascinating pieces of news in one nugget. Um, I don't remember the last time a GM actually played, so I'm going to guess he's not going to be on the ice as well.
1: Um, It would be interesting if he decided to pull a major league two and suit himself up, uh, reactivate himself or something like that. But then again, he hasn't officially said he's retired either as far as I read. I know. I I can't find anything that says, you know, I'm done with skate, I'm done with hockey, I'm just going to stick to the front office. You know, there's nothing like that. So, does that mean he can still put himself in a number 71 or a number 17 jersey, whichever one he wears for Russia, and actually get out there and skate, and oh, by the way, he's in charge of putting the team together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, and... According to the article from si.com, he wasn't, as of August, he wasn't even considering retiring. Uh, Last year in the KHL, he had 17 points in 16 regular season games. Those are not, I'm ready to retire numbers. (laughs) No. They're just not. Um, So maybe, maybe. He doesn't play in the Olympics, but he he's the GM. OK, I suppose that's possible. Um, I as much as I love, loved watching this guy play in the NHL. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's conceivable that even he would recognize he's probably not among the 22 or 23 best Russian. Uh, and that even if he's I'm sorry, know, well, I'm sorry.
1: What were his point totals again?
0: 17 and 16, yes.
1: 17 points in 16 games or 17 goals in 16 games?
0: Uh, 17 points in 16 games.
1: Okay, so he's a point-per-game player, and he doesn't recognize that he's one of the best 22 in... in I don't know. I, I don't know. This is... It almost
0: screams... It's a bizarre story.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, if you read the... And, and, and what impressed me was... The, the staff that he's put together for behind the bench, Alexei Zhamnov, 13 years in the NHL, head coach, yep. Sergei Gonchar, one of his assistants, probably going to run the defense, which is interesting because he's more offensive defenseman than he ever was. I mean, he's, he was OK as a defender, but he was clearly more of an offensive defenseman. He played here in Boston for two seasons. Sure. Um, the only one I'd never heard of was Alexei Kudishov from Maple Leafs, uh, but he only spent a single season here in 1994, it says. And then you've got one of the best I've seen in Evgeny Nabokov go- coaching the goaltenders. This guy's put together top-tier talent put together behind
0: an team of, uh, of, uh, for behind the bench. Now, admittedly, Kovalchuk only played a small fraction of the games last season um, and his playoff numbers were not particularly great. I mean, on that on his team, Omsk Avangard last year, Breed Boucher uh, played 51 games. Dennis Zernov played 60. Um, So, yes, it was great that he was there, Um, but in 24 playoff games last year. Um, he only had nine points. Um, I don't. I think it's safe to say that he's probably not at the top, not at the peak of his game anymore at okay. you know, 38 years old.
1: And perhaps he recognizes that.
0: But. If he can be one of those players, I mean, he, if he actually takes this team to the Olympics, <laughs> not as a member of the roster. But as the general manager, while still playing in the KHL or wherever, um, he might actually be the first person who uh, to be an active player and front office type, and win a and win a medal, like legitimately win a medal as a executive while still playing the game. I don't know that that's happened anytime anything close to the last 50 years in any of the major sports.
1: Um, yeah, nowhere I can think of anyway.
0: Or maybe if you go far enough back in baseball or softball history when the player coach was an actual normal part of the game.
1: But, no, but they don't do that anymore. That You're talking, yeah, you're going back. You're talking back.
0: World War II, yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean it happened in basketball where Bill Russell was a player coach and and you know he they won two championships under Bill Russell while he was a player coach <laughs> yeah so has it happened? Yes, has it happened any time in recent history? Not that I'm aware of
0: no <laughs> I don't think i I will safely assume that it has not happened in either of our lifetimes,
1: yeah, that's a good bet. <laughs>
0: But I, I'm, I'm impressed by, hey, if he can pull it off,
1: a rec- recognizing that, okay, maybe I need to start concentrating on what comes after on ice, and he pulls this together, and, and I mean, how much is he going to be revered in, in in Russia more than he is now? And I, I assume uh, that, again, I if assume he, that if the battles. Russian public doesn't hate him, so—
0: if they medal, bronze medal, silver medal, gold medal, it almost doesn't matter. With him as the GM, having played last season, he's he's not buying his vodka anytime, anytime soon anywhere in Russia.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Um, also, head coaching news, um, sometimes it's not who you know, it's where you went to school really it certainly is um granted where you went to school might might influence who you know a teeny tiny bit um alaska anchorage announced uh just a couple of days ago that matt shaysby uh has been named the seventh head coach in school history um he is of course an alumni um and currently the vice president of player development for the state of alaska um and it has been pla has been serving as a coach for the Anchorage Hockey Association. Um, this is a really interesting pick because we really don't hear as much about Alaska. Um, despite the fact that it's a it's a state that's produced NHL players. Yes. Despite being
1: some guy named Swayman for one.
0: Uh Gomez, I believe, was born there as well. Um and it's a tiny state, uh, population-wise. It's a tiny. It's got a low population, and it's spread out pretty widely. Uh, it's spread out over the over the four or five major cities. I mean, you look at Rhode Island, and you know, seventy percent of the population, or almost a high percentage of the population, is somewhere in Providence or in a town that borders Providence. But there are. You can drive 100 miles between the major cities, or or more in in Alaska. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens uh, with Alaska as a hockey state over the next 10, 12 years. Um, doesn't I, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say it doesn't seem to indicate that he played any NHL, but he played. In 375 professional hockey games, mostly in the ECHL with the Alaska Aces. Correct. Out of reading all of this, and it's impressive, you know, they bring this guy back and and he, you know, alumni and everything else. I think what impresses me more is for population size in Alaska, University of Alaska Anchorage had shuttered their program in August of last year. And due to fundraising efforts helped the, the the public, the fundraising efforts helped to reinstate the program. So they were basically saying, look, we can't afford it. We don't have the money. You know, we got to close the program. And there was, there was obviously some form, some sort of groundswell of support to keep this team going. So they're going to be back next year for the 22, 23 season.
0: Yep. And, uh, uh, Shaysby is a USHL alum. Uh, he played two seasons there, the Lincoln Stars and the Des Moines Buccaneers, four years at Alaska Anchorage, um, played for the Cotton Mouse, the Alaska Aces, Long Island, uh, Long Beach Ice Dogs uh, in the ECHL, and of course, uh, 11 games for the Hamilton Bulldogs. Drafted uh, at 150 in 1999 by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I mean, any, just, just any being drafted I've, gives him a sort of credibility that a lot of players just aren't going to have. Uh, that's where I was going to go. A lot of coaches and aren't going to have. Um, okay. If you look at that 99 draft, uh, the Sedin twins were drafted there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and three and oops Patrick Stefan first <laughs> um, Craig Anderson and Craig Anderson is the last <laughs> last remaining player from that draft still playing
1: Buffalo Sabers. and oh by the way he's aside from the game he had against the Bruins he's doing all right he's <laughs>
0: You know Craig Anderson. Uh, I'm. He's got a career nine thirteen save percentage, and people treat him like a punch, like he's a punchline, uh, pu- uh, the punchline of some sort of joke. But
1: best bad team goaltender in the NHL.
0: Absolutely. I mean, for the Buffalo Sabres this year, he has a nine thirty three save percentage <laughs> through three games, and it's and your favorite, the two point oh one goals against average. Oh. Um, nine fifteen save percentage behind a dead legged Washington Capitals season uh team last year. Um, and then let's That's see amazing. his he's career what, 40, high end games.
1: He's what forty one years old now.
0: Uh, forty. He'll be forty one in in May.
1: Oh sorry about that, Craig. I mean but this guy, I mean is And he, not he had in-
0: to actually go through the draft twice before someone would give him a chance he was drafted in 99 by the flames at 77 okay and they said "eh, i don't know (laughs) and then in 90 and then in 2001 when he's eligible again he's drafted at 73 by the chicago blackhawks and the chicago Um, blackhawks eh, he played about 60 games for them
1: i don't remember him playing for the blackhawks but okay
0: 2002 six games, uh, 03 04, 21 games, and then 05 oh. 06, 29 games. Okay. Uh, his numbers were not spectacular in those seasons, but then again, I don't think the Blackhawks were uh, especially good. I think that was one of their <clears> ten-year <throat> dips or so uh, just before drafting the current, well, the core that got them their cups a couple of years back. Oh I mean, yeah, because looking at their goaltending from o <laughs> three o four,
1: uh huh,
0: mm, very much the opposite of good. Uh let's the see, opposite Craig, of good. Craig Anderson twenty one games, Jocelyn Tebow fourteen. I remember Tebow. Passmore nine games.
1: I even remember Passmore, but I don't remember Anderson. Wow.
0: Michael Layton thirty five games. Adam yeah. Monroe seven games. Matt Underhill, one game. Don't remember him yet. Um, Craig Anderson had a 9.05 save percentage. Um, Michael Layton, who played the most games, had a 900 save percentage. Mm -hmm. Jocelyn Bolt had a 9.13, and the less said about the other guys, the better. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Their (laughs) leading scorer, uh, Tyler Arneson. And if you can actually pick him out of a lineup, yourself, you're probably related to him, um, was their leading scorer with 55 points, a minus 13 in 82 games that year.
1: Well, at least he played a full season.
0: And Woonsocket, Rhode Island's own Brian Burrard, who played all of 58 games uh, at defense that year, was their, actually their number two in points. Which literally should tell you everything he needs to know about how good they were that year
1: but i mean to bring it back to shaysby anytime you can say you were drafted into the n a okay even uh, even the guys that are drafted in the seventh round to be able to run around and say i was one of 200 and 205 210 whatever the number is whatever the number is i'm one of 200 plus guys that got drafted into the nhl Uh, that still says something that 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 a professional team thought highly enough of you to draft you. Okay. Yeah. He was drafted in the fifth round, but still they thought enough of you to draft you into the NHL. They thought that you had some kind of talent that they could work with. So there's something there. And if, and if his hockey IQ is, is good enough to get him coaching job at university of Alaska, you know, Even if he uses it as some kind of a stepping stone and gets further, he looks like a young guy. It doesn't mention his age anywhere in here. Um, But if he was drafted in 99, I was going to say, if he was drafted in 99, he's got to be in his early 40s at the oldest. I I mean, even if he uses it as some kind of stepping stone, you get back, you you, you reinvigorate the Alaska program, and then you move on from there. That's... uh, I mean, unfortunately, yes, Alaska is on the other side of the – I mean, it's far away from – It's the other end
0: of the continent, yeah.
1: It's far away from New York. It's even far away from L.A., although it's only north, but it's still far away from – I mean, okay, he's not near any of the big markets, but if you've got kids like Swayman coming out of there. Yeah. Then that's going to help get – I mean, it's not a bad situation for him, and –
0: Absolutely not, and if he – As you said, if he can make this team look good three, four years from now, the NHL will come calling.
1: They can't call him for guys like Dan Quinn. He wasn't head coach very long of BU. The only thing is it was BU.
0: BU is one of those schools that you can't help but notice because they're in a major market in one of the better divisions.
1: Uh, That's what I'm saying. It's going to take this guy a little bit longer unless they go on some kind of crazy tear where they're like – unbeaten or they only lose two games or
0: yeah or they just go up and win it all which would be great oh yeah um where to next
1: uh we've got we've, we've crisscrossed we've gone from well actually we're moving east I guess we're moving east because we went from Russia to Alaska mmm we can go further south and stay on the west coast and talk about uh this whole Drew Doughty thing
0: Ah, yes. So, scrolling through Twitter, uh, Night Before Last I believe it was, and ever the calming presence in the universe, Jimmy Murphy (laughs) uh, tweets, uh, retweets that He's
1: one of my favorite guys.
0: uh, I know he's absolutely your favorite buddy. Um, retweets that this is um, Ulf Samuelson on Cam Neely again. Where is the league office?
1: Um, the league office? Well, this happened on a weekend, so they're home with their families.
0: I, I mean, again, Jimmy Murphy, very, very much the calm elder statesman type who is known for pouring oil on troubled waters. Um, what did you think of it? I mean, obviously, at some point, we're going to get the famous Drew Doughty quote of another uh, talking about uh, the guy who hit him as someone else who doesn't respect the game and blah, 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 unsafe to play with. But what did you actually think of the hit?
1: I did not see it when it happened. I have since watched video.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Honestly, Doughty is gliding over the blue line. Yeah, H- H- Hockenpah is coming at him. I don't want to say it's 50-50. I think that Hockenpah could have got his leg out of the way. I also think that Drew Doughty possibly could have got his leg out of the way. They weren't striding at each other. I still don't like the fact that he didn't move his knee out of the way. He's, he's clearly... he's. Got him in his line of sight. I think that the hit was physical. Uh, But on this one, I think that it's got to be like a 60-40 thing. I think that Drew Doughty could have gone out of the way as well. I mean, I know he's handling the puck, but I don't like the hit. I don't like that he could have got out of the way, but then again, Doughty could have avoided him too.
0: And... The result of it is that there that Hakenpa was kicked out of the game, game misconduct, major penalty. Are we
1: expecting um, after suspensions. Reviews.
0: But there will not be any sort of supplementary discipline. Okay. Overall, I guess I can live with it because again, I mean if you look closely at the replay, Hakenpa makes at least simultaneous contact with the shoulder and the knee um, or yes. close enough to be simul- to be effectively simultaneous and not knee on knee first, but this is one of those even if you're in pause position as the hitter, why would you risk your own knees and ankles that way? Square up, get that shoulder contact, send the other guy Flopping backwards, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I I don't like the hit, but, like, the the whole, I don't know, I don't see this as rising to the level of old Samuelson. If for no other reason than Hockenpot doesn't really have a reputation like that. And I just Has saw he, something that shocked me to my core uh, in that replay. Mm-hmm. Without thinking about it, without looking back at the replay, how old do you think Drew Doughty is?
1: Now I already know how old he is, though. I know he's 31.
0: I would have. I In my head, he was at least five years old.
1: You got to remember, he's another one of those guys that like
0: been in the league forever
1: like Bergeron, 18 years old and playing hockey.
0: I mean, he's 21 games away from his 1,000th NHL game. He's 16 games uh, from playing his 100th uh, NHL playoff game, uh, even if he hasn't played in the playoffs in three years. Yeah. So as long as this injury isn't too serious and he can make it back at some point this year, Drew Dottie should still have five or six good years ahead of him. That's mind boggling for a guy who, when the team actually had more than one defenseman worth naming, um, was considered one of the top five, top 10 defensemen in the league that he's still only 31 years old. Um, and I mean, for the, for the Kings, if this turns out to be a very serious injury, which we're all hoping it does not, yeah, with them already having lost byfield, there's little to no hope of him uh, uh, of the wings, uh, I mean of the, the wings kings. Wow. <laughs>
1: wings <king.
0: laughs> undercaffeinated, I apologize. Uh, there's almost no hope of them having a not awful season, not a good season, but not awful. Um, I mean about the only thing that you can say useful would come out of a Doughty injury would be that they save a few dollars on the cap um, which means if they want to show if they want to show off a couple of players if they want to pull up uh, one or two of the younger kids um, they can do it but yikes um,
1: although Kopitar is on a tear right now so <laughs>
0: And Kopitar is always worth watching. But yeah, Drew Doughty has this and six more seasons. He's probably not going to be terrible at the end of his career, at the end of this contract. If he's as long as he doesn't suffer any sort of major injuries, because he's only going to be like 37.
1: That's
0: yeah, I literally really, really thought that he was at least five years older. Because he's been there forever, and he didn't really. Most guys who produced and eat minutes at the pace that he did, very early in his career, they have five years where they're only good at one thing, and then they sort of start to get it. Like Eric Carlson, in his first five years in the league, he was appalling. Yes. Behind his own blue line, appalling. This is true. Year six, year seven, year eight, before he start before the injury started racking up. Uh, we've talked on the show about the areas of the ice where he was at his best. I mean, dude's one man transmit uh, or tra- uh, transition from uh, defense to offense, and in his own zone of the ice, uh, in that area where he goes bet where he works best. Uh, which is, incidentally, not the net mouth or not in the boards behind the net. But um, he's the best. He's still at that in that zone. He's still better than Kale McCarr. He's still better than Quinn Hughes. He's still better than whoever else you want to name. Cut all um, his hair off. What? He cut all his hair off. Surprising, but um, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. I didn't know it. I
1: didn't know it until I saw a video of him scoring a goal the other night, and they kept saying Carlson, 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 and there's no hair coming out underneath his helmet. And I'm like, uh, "What have you done with Eric Carlson?" <laughs> yeah, yeah um, no hair or no hair coming out of the helmet, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean with. If Doughty goes down for, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks.
1: Right now, will, Doughty. Yeah, go ahead.
0: They they will actually have a little bit of cap space. And should Akil Thomas or Quentin Byfield or any of the other players who are on their season opening injured reserve uh, make it back, um, they might they might be able to get them onto the ice for a couple of games.
1: Right now they've got Olimata in because Doughty's out, and I'm sorry, Doughty is your second point, your second highest point getter on the team, which maybe says more than you would. The three, the three people at the top of the list for points on this team, four people. I mean, if you want to go with Victor Arvidsson, I don't know how old he is, mm-hmm. but Kopitar, Doughty, and Brown. 28.
0: Uh, Arvidsson is 28. Now Brown, on the other hand, he's a tiny bit older. He's 36. I
1: genuinely and he's, thought... And he's third on the points list at two goals and three assists. Doughty has a goal and six assists. A, a goal and six assists. And then Kopitar has six goals and three assists. I mean, where are all the young people?
0: <laughs> well, we know where Byfield is, but unfortunately... <laughs> yeah,
1: unfortunately, yes. And, and, and he will be fun to watch when he does... Finally get to play. I mean, Ayafalo is fifth on the list. He's got a goal and two assists, three points. And he'd be considered younger. And then you've got Edler, also older. I mean, it's, <laughs> where are the young people that are supposed to be invigorating this team? The top of the team is still the the older guys. I mean, I get it. They, they've got more experience. Whatever, you know, but still, shouldn't there be somebody under... I don't know. Twenty-five, at least, contending for the top of the team in in points.
0: <laughs> Maybe they're using the same scouting staff as the Bruins.
1: It's entirely possible.
0: <laughs> uh, and on scouting season, in my mind, actually opens up right now. Right about now, with the Fall Classic having been uh, played. Um, Austin Broad of the, of NHL draft entry, AKA, uh, FC hockey is talking about some of the standout players, uh, from the USHL fall classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Pittsburgh this year. I really, really want to make a point of going to one of these fall classic games in the future. Um, I just have to actually, you know, put it on my calendar.
1: And I mean, we, we go we go to college games. I mean, you know, it's just that this fall classic is usually held somewhere nowhere near us.
0: Pittsburgh is, eh, Pittsburgh Pits- you could Pittsburgh do with a 10-hour like, drive.
1: No, it's only like four or five.
0: No, 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 Philly is close. Pittsburgh's the other end of the state.
1: Oh, is it? Yes. No, nah, I'm thinking about the wrong town. Sorry about that, Pittsburgh. Silly boy. Yeah, of Um bothered i have been in his Poconos. Uh,
0: this is one of those things that I, I think would be fascinating to go down and see. Oh, yeah. A um, couple of the players, and I definitely encourage everyone who's at all interested in scouting uh, to go down and take a look. Um, Quinn Finley of the Madison Capitals. Um. 2022 draft eligible three points in his first three games. That's two goals and an assist. Um,
1: Point Frank game is pretty good, right?
0: Last time I did the math, yes, it was above average. Frank Nazar, yet another product of the USNTDP. Um, Loads of first-round talent on the the USND, the national development team, has a lot of first-round talent. Logan Cooley, Rutger, McGrody, Seamus Casey, but Frank Nazar uh, is as is written up as having has really stood out in the early parts of their season. Um, players would like to see more from. And these are guys. These are guys who won't almost certainly won't end up being drafted in that first round. Uh, but, you know, if you see your team pick in the second or third round. And it's one of these guys. They have probably seen something in this in this person at some point this season. So Michael Estraza, uh, he's ranked sixth among uh, 24 uh, 2004 birth year players uh, for the USHL in the 2021 season. Matt's um, to Matthew Stavoli or Savoli sorry, Adam Fantil and Isaac Howard. Um, I think that. You know, you can probably put a couple of bucks on the U.S. ND, the uh, U.S. National Development Team, is probably getting at least three players drafted uh, in the first two rounds uh, next July. Pretty safe bet.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the last name that he mentions. It just it doesn't mention him as. Somebody to you know somebody to watch, somebody to not watch. I don't know if that means he's like not draft eligible this year or uh, he mentions Jimmy Snuggerud. Uh,
0: uh He he will be draft eligible. Yes, go ahead.
1: Uh, leads a team with ten points in six games. I think that's pretty good.
0: That's definitely not horrible.
1: I mean, primarily assists though. I mean, three goals, seven assists. So he's a distributor. That's, but there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I just ask Taylor Hall how he feels about um, David Krejci, and I suppose he'll tell you. So there's nothing wrong with being a good distributor who can put the puck in the net periodically. Uh, really fun to watch, according to uh, Mister Mister Broad. Before I mess up his name, Mister Broad. Yes, Austin Broad. Um, I think that there's a lot of talent in the USHL. I mean, the Bruins drafted, and I, and I don't mean to call him out, but it happens to be just more noticeable because it's here in Boston. But, I mean, the Bruins drafted Mason Lowry, and we didn't know much about him, didn't think very highly of the fact that this was their first pick of the draft two years ago, and it was in the second round. and. Uh, it, when we saw him at development camp, I mean, the kids got skills. Yep. So I'm clearly, so clearly, the USHL is a place where you're going to be developing. I mean, kids like Owen Power, who are now at Michigan and getting drafted first overall, they're USHL alums. He played for the. He played for Chicago. I, this is a good place to hone your skills, develop them, get them up to then you so you spend a year or two here after high school, you move on to college or you get drafted into the NHL. I mean it, it it's clearly a good stepping stone. So this might be something we have to add to the list of of things to do and, and places to see.
0: Absolutely. And Jimmy Snuggerud is listed as a 6 foot 286 or Pound 17 year old right
1: shot right wing. Oh right wing, right?
0: Uh, right shot right wing.
1: What are we always looking for?
0: I don't remember. Uh he's up to four assists through the first three games of the season.
1: Here in Boston, what are we always looking for? Isn't it right wings?
0: Uh, you know what? I've never seen one.
1: Oh, okay. And apparently there's a lot of good right-handed defensemen in, in, in next year's draft as well. So,
0: um, d- uh, Diving a little bit deeper into uh, into the scouting, mm-hmm. um, the NAHL, which mostly is uh, spread out across the southern uh, and southwestern U.S., um, lots of teams in Texas. Um, I believe there's a couple over in uh, Louisiana as well, um, but you can hit their website, nahl.com. Um, not a huge number of players ever get drafted out of there, but, uh, the NHL central scouting always shows up, uh, or shows up to their combines and to their games. Mm -hmm. And at the NA NHL showcase over 300 scouts attended. That's, that's a lot of eyeballs, uh, drilling down on a lot of players. Um, there were over 40 NHL scouts in that number, um, 395 NCAA commitments, uh, over the past season. Mm -hmm. Um, and eight of these players are going to make the preliminary, um, you, uh, the preliminary list for central scouting. Um, that's, that's kind of big. And when you look at the list, five of these guys are defensemen five um that's five guy five defensemen out of a league that almost no one has ever heard of it means that people need to pay a little bit more attention
1: i think what it tells me and i'm going to i'm going to go out on a, on a limb here and just take a guess that a lot of the scouts a lot of that 300 plus scouts are NCAA college, you know, we got college scouts going and looking, but there's still not 300 universities and colleges in America that are playing, playing. I think
0: it's, I think it's only about 200 uh, division one (laughs) NHL or division one hockey teams at this point, but that's still a huge, it's still a ridiculous number.
1: I'm just thinking there's gotta be, there's gotta be some, uh, whether it's AHL, NHL, there's got to be some professional scouts going to these things, and it tells me that the scouting community is realizing. and Maybe it's taken them longer. Maybe it's taken me longer to notice it, but they're realizing that they've got to they've got to overturn every single stone to find the next level of talent, the, the next crop of talent. Because if they don't, somebody else is going to.
0: Absolutely. And no one wants to be the guy to or no one wants to be the city to miss on the next, whether it's a Jack Eichel or a Johnny Hockey or pick a player who's come out of college. Tory Krug. I mean, Tory Krug is someone who absolutely got slept on at the NHL level, went through I'm- four years of college undrafted.
1: Undrafted, clearly can play in the NHL. Did so for what nine years here in Boston? Uh, Seven years.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> years into his career. He's been very near the top of uh, the scoring for that entire time.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's it's those type of players that are going undrafted that these teams, these scouts are realizing we need to catch them now because. Somebody else is going to with with everything that's going on. They've utilized more video review. Now that they can get back out and see these players live, huge deal. And I think that's another reason why you've got such a huge turnout is that with the pause, all the review had to be done by video. There was no seeing live live in action, whether it's games, combines, whatever. Now that they're back to live action you can get out there, yeah, you're gonna have a huge turnout. The the teams wanna see what's out there.
0: And I mean just in the NCAA there's even more competition coming. Um we mentioned uh Alaska Anchorage Seawolves. Mm-hmm. Yes they're gonna be back in division one as of I believe I think next it's next season. year.
1: Yeah, twenty two, twenty three.
0: Uh, they're gonna be joined by Lindenwood University, the Lions of St. Charles, Missouri. Um, That season, those both of those are currently Division two teams.
1: Yeah, but St. Louis wasn't. St. Louis isn't a hotbed of hockey. They Just because they had a few guys drafted Saint a Charles, couple of years.
0: St. Charles, Missouri.
1: Yeah, but, but yeah, in Missouri itself, St. Louis, St. You know. Yeah, they.
0: Yeah,
1: it, obviously, that's not a hotbed. You know, they had a few guys drafted a couple of years ago, but yeah. You know,
0: and speaking of
1: small population, what,
0: state. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was ridiculous. It was. It was most of the U.S.-born players in the first two rounds. Yeah. Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, uh, Augustana University um, will be joining uh, in the 2023 season, as will Tennessee State's uh, Tigers uh, in the 2023 season. Those last two have never played a game yet, but they're jumping straight into uh, or have never played a Division I game yet. And they're jumping straight into Division One hockey. So yes, there's hockey everywhere. And
1: and in and in places you would never expect I mean, I when when Arizona State when they started telling me Arizona State had a hockey team or University of Arizona or both and yep. Grambling and I'm like, wait a minute. Not Those are south of the Mason Dixon. What are you talking about? Hockey programs. Oh no!
0: And not just hockey programs, but a hockey program that got Mario Lemieux's son.
1: And have and they've had a few draft they've had a few draft picks over the years too that have gone into the NHL. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not like they're just sitting there, you know, playing for the for the heck of it. These guys are; they are contending. They they do have talent. They. There was one kid that we were talking about, and unfortunately now I forget his name, but it was a right winger coming out of, uh, I think it was Arizona State that I was interested in. He didn't get drafted by the Bruins, but that's okay.
0: have to go back and look. Yes. Um, milestones are one of those things that are always fun to track. Um, it wasn't that many years ago that Brad Marchand uh, was being it was being questioned if you could even play in the league because he, he he came into the NHL in in the 2009-2010 season. Yes. 20 games minus 3 20 penalty minutes and 1 assist
1: one. that would that would tell me now, contrary to his size, that would tell me that he was one of those enforcer guys who was just
0: up here to fight. Yeah, basically today. Um, 807 uh, NHL games on his, uh, on his record. Yeah, he is two assists away from the 400 assist mark. Yeah.
1: By the way, I was watching a replay of the Buffalo Sabres game because I had missed it. And John Bouchagras was um, saying that this guy was, and he said it, I think, more than once, the best left wing in the NHL. Mm Mm-hmm. Just saying. Said it more than once.
0: As someone who grew up in this area and has watched Brad Marchand's entire career. Yeah. It's very easy for me to think that's a sensible thought. And with Ilya Gobelchuk no longer in the league and. The, I mean, it really comes down to three other players. Who I'm going to say it gave me pause.
1: I'm going to say it gave me pause because I actually stopped to think of who else I would consider.
0: There's. There's Brad Marchand, there's Alex Ovechkin, and off the top of my head, I'm not sure who the next best left wing in the league is, and that's that's not, and that's that's not, there's no slight to anyone. I watch enough hockey that I should know, I should be able to think of it, I mean, if you're going purely by points, which I don't think is the point of this exercise, would you say that Kyle Connor is arguably better than Alex Ovechkin?
1: Mm. No. No.
0: David Perron? No. Zach Hyman, Tyler Battuzzi, Pierre Luc Dubois?
1: Uh,. Tyler Bertuzzi is showing me things, but no. Zach Hyman, loving to death, but no. I thought he was a center anyway.
0: I'm going by what NHL has listed for left wings.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. No. I see. I still. And, and and this is what. And this is when he when Buczkowski said this, and I wasn't aware at the time that he was two assists away from 400. Yeah. And, I mean, and in that game, he got two, so he was clearly not two away when the game started. But you watch watch him playing over the course of his career. This guy is – and this is why he's better than Ovechkin because obviously points-wise, Ovechkin gets more.
0: Ovechkin gets more goals? Yes. Like in the past, going back to the 2018-2019 through today – through today's date, right now on the 24th, mm-hmm. um, Alex Ovechkin in 199 games has 128 uh, goals, and Brad Marchand has 96. If you're only looking at that, yes, I. I, I but you can't. Ovechkin is amazing. The, the hockey isn't
1: amazing. played in a vacuum yet, yeah, and he is, and I'm not arguing that, but. Hockey isn't played that way. There is no vacuum of it's just goals. Brad Marchand has turned himself into, dare I say, the Patrice Bergeron of left wings.
0: That's, that's really not an unfair statement. And we all look, I don't even pretend to be unbiased about Patrice Bergeron. I am president, vice president, sergeant at arms and chief ankle breaker of the Patrice Bergeron fan club and have been since his rookie year. Um, When I say that he's the most complete hockey player I've ever seen, I mean that. And I I don't think that we're going to see another player like him. As much as I respect the hell out of Ryan O'Reilly and Anze Kopitar, um, as much as I was always a big fan of Ryan Kessler, as much as I really, really liked Miku Koivu and felt terrible that he played on awful teams his entire career. Oh,
1: yeah, that – Certainly they're has. just
0: not the same level but okay but the thing Let's... is okay now I'm willing to have the discussion that yes. Matthew Kachuk and Alex Dabrinkit will be in that same league as, Brash, as Brad Marsh and in a couple of years yeah. maybe have the discussion I'm not saying they'll be better but in the same league okay we both like J Gensel. we both like Gabriel Landeskog. But okay, over the last five over the last 3 years, 18-19 season through through right now today. Yeah. Who do you think has the most points for left wings? Uh Brad Marchand.
1: I was going to say Brad, he's got 165 doing the math, but I was trying to think. Uh, no, of since of the-,
0: uh, the total from the 1819 season through.
1: You said you said points through today.
0: No points that you said assists. Oh, it's I'm looking at assists.
1: Hold on, I'm looking at assists. Yes, you're right. I'm looking at the wrong column. Again, undercaffeinated.
0: Um, but here's the other thing. Holy cow! We talk about his about his two way prowess and Patrice Bergeron's two way prowess. He has 17 shorthanded points in that time, including eight shorthanded goals. Yeah. The only other forward and the only other left wing in the top 15 who even has none of them even have 10 shorthanded points. <laughs> um, Brad Marchand has more shorthanded goals than any three any three other players have shorthanded points. Uh, well, Tifu T- 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 uh actually has nine shorthanded points since he came in, which is a really fast, really fabulous number. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Um, but you look at time on ice, not many guys ahead of him at 1923 um, wow. per night. Panarin is ahead of him in there, uh, but Panarin has neither more goals nor a better points per game rate.
1: Does Panarin play shorthanded?
0: Um, he has no shorthanded points. Uh, okay. I would have to go deeper into the stats. Um, Alex Ovechkin actually has a couple of short, has a shorthanded goal. Okay. Um, Kyle Connor has three shorthanded points. Um, you look at, I mean, plus minus isn't necessarily my favorite stat, but in the top fifteen, Thomas Tatar at the bottom of the list for points total twenty six plus twenty six. Alex Ovechkin, um, probably the second best um, left wing in the game, is a minus seven in that time. Okay. Panarin plus sixty one, which is utterly bonkers on a rebuilding team. Uh, Or two on a rebuilding team now and an iffy Columbus team before that. Um, But Brad Marchand, plus 68. So there
1: is one name. uh -uh, There is one name you haven't mentioned. Go ahead. And this is what boggles me about the NHL and whoever does all this voting about who gets awards and blah, blah, blah. Because there's one name you haven't mentioned. Yet somehow this man keeps getting nominated for trophies that I don't understand. And that name would be Mark Stone. This guy is supposedly, oh, my goodness, and the only reason he won't win it is because he's a winger. Brad Marshall, the best right wing, left wing, whatever, he's a wing. He's not a center. And the only reason why that's the only reason why he won't win it. And he can't, you know, because he's not a center. He doesn't take face off. So uh, Marshawn, the best he's done in the Selkie category is ninth. Two years in a row, 2021 and 1920. Yep. And you're telling me that Mark Stone is better than him by telling me that he is a finalist for the trophy, which he was. He was in the top three as a finalist.
0: No, I'm saying the voters came to that conclusion, but the voters, um,
1: the voters are incorrect
0: that yes.
1: And I don't understand how Mr. Marshawn has never been nominated for this award. Is he affected by the fact that he plays on the same team as Bergeron?
0: Same team and same line. I mean, those two have been glued together for effectively their entire careers for 10, uh, almost 12 years at this point.
1: Because I I highly I, I I feel that's highly unfair to a man who has, is clearly the best at his position. And yes, I'm saying he's better than Alex Ovechkin because he's more two hundred foot game. And I'm not taking anything away from Ovechkin's scoring ability, but I don't think that Ovechkin has the two hundred foot game that Brad does. No, and, and Brad has learned that over, and he's he's put himself in that position over the years because he wasn't always.
0: No, he was. He came into the league as someone who should have gotten a look based on his speed alone and tenacity alone. He stayed in the league because he made himself into a good player and kept improving
1: and turned into a great player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we've got people we've got national televised people tang, saying that he is the best left wing in the game. If someone, and Buchegros knows hockey. That's kind of his thing at, at ESPN. Is he's the hockey guy?
0: If someone wants to make an argument for a better left wing in hockey right now, and I'm talking best last, last three to five years, I want to hear it. I, like I legitimately want to hear it. Um, email me um, pucksage at yahoo. I will listen. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read, read your email. Tell you you're wrong. <laughs> I probably won't agree or okay. you comment um, right on Podbean. being um, either way. We'll take a look, but I, it's really, really hard to make this argument because even in the top 15, um, even if you just look at even strength points, only Panarin is better uh, among the top 15. I mean, Brad Marchand, in the last couple of years, has 163 even strength points. Number 15 on the list only has 152 total points, as does 14. Um, Tivu Teravainen only has 160 points, and admittedly he's only played 175 games to Brad's 205, but that's not that huge a gap. Um, And Max Pacioretty, who people talk about a lot, only has 160 points total in that time. Um, power play points. Brad has 81, and Huberdeau has 89. Uh, he's played about six more games than than Marchand. Um, Ovechkin only has 66 power play points. Um, in in the last couple of seasons. Is there okay? I think over the last couple of years, it's safe to say that goaltending has been dominated by Vasilevsky. He's been the best goaltender in the league for at least three for three seasons. Okay. Brad Marchand has been at least as dominant as a left wing in that time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It just it, it 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 just boggles the mind that he hasn't been
0: that he hasn't gotten an MVP vote or whatever. And guess what? If you click over to from the regular season to the playoffs for those stats, guess who's still on top of the points in that time? And no, he hasn't played the most games. Bruins haven't won a cup in that time. No. Uh, Forty-seven points in forty-eight games. In the playoffs, 23 of those 20, of uh, 47 points at, at, uh, even strength, five game winning goals, two overtime goals. And yeah, 20, over 20 minutes, almost 21 minutes of ice time a night. He's 13 points ahead of Gabriel Landeskog. He's 15 points ahead of Andre Pallad. Andre Pallad has been on a couple of Cup-winning teams in that time.
1: Yeah, you, you, first of all, you're preaching to the choir because I, you know, I obviously I'm from here, and I it, we talk about Brad, and we talk about how how fun it would be to have him and Gallagher on the same team. And
0: oh, that would be the best. <laughs> Like if I know that trade is never going to happen while all three while those three players are still anywhere near their prime. Mm-hmm. But Gallagher, Bergeron, Marshand just wow. Um from the best left wing in the league, period, to the fastest a team has ever jumped the shark. Seattle. Seattle.
1: Seattle. Okay, so first goal was scored by a former Bruin, yep. uh, Ryan Donato. Yep. Did they finally win? Did they win their opening, their home opener?
0: Um, it almost doesn't matter because they did <laughs> okay. something that makes no flipping sense in their first home game.
1: Go ahead. I. I'm
0: They retired a jersey.
1: Yeah, I knew this was coming.
0: (laughs) They retired a Jersey at a point when they had a record of zero, four, and one.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Retired a jersey. Yep. No one had sat in their seats for the entire length of a game yet in their barely open arena.
1: They hadn't played a home game yet.
0: Yeah? Yeah. They were they
1: they were still to play that that night. So that was their opening, that was their home opener.
0: There were people still filing into the building and they're <laughs> retiring a jersey.
1: Five road games. Yep. Somebody clearly did well in in those five road games.
0: Did their marketing department not understand that this could have been used more effectively? to make sure you sold out later in the season.
1: Well, they've already or at sold Or start of next season. They've already sold more seat li- what is the
0: w- seat licenses or whatever. But 32,000 seats, uh, 32,000 season tickets in the first day of eligibility, which is an awesome number.
1: 32,000 depositors, yes. So they had they had 32,000 for a stadium that holds what 17, 18
0: Yeah, maybe twenty. It's an average size, yeah. But you're retiring a number that no one's ever worn before. You literally before you play a game in front of your fans in honor of being the 32nd team. In the NHL, hockey historians know that they're not exactly the 32nd team. They're the 32nd current team. But as teams have folded and gone out of business and merged and moved all over the place with different owners and across national borders...
1: They are the current 32nd team in the
0: NHL. The current 32nd team. Not the 32nd team in league history. The current 32nd team. They're not actually in 32nd place right now, but...
1: This is true. They're not. Um, so they retire um, so they retire the number 32 for the third for being number 32 and for 32,000 depositors um, i'm not sure i understand the move
0: one how uh, your fans literally have not even finished showing up to your first game yet and you're doing this This should be, if you really, really, really feel the urge to do this, do it in the last game of your first season. Just, no. This is terrible marketing.
1: I mean, the only other time that I read, the only other time, and this is recent memory, that I remember a team retiring a number this early in their history would be four years ago. When Vegas retired number 58, they for did the, it for the 58 people who were killed in the Vegas shooting.
0: Which I think was a nice gesture, but still more of a marketing gesture than anything else. And at least it was well-timed enough to be sensible.
1: Well, yeah, there's nothing that really ties, them, ties this one to... to- Anything. They could have retired 32 at the like you said they could have retired 32 at the end of the season they would still be the 32nd current franchise in NH, in the NHL they would still have had 32,000 depositors the only player that's going to wear a number 32 is a, a goaltender goalie. and they don't have any goalies wearing number 32 so it's not and like you're taking the number away from anyone
0: more importantly you could just say don't hand out the number 32 yeah. I'm not even sure there are five players in the NHL right now wearing the number 32 in the first place.
1: I can't think of one, but there's probably, some, there's probably a backup goalie somewhere.
0: May, if this actually sells in Seattle, great. You know your market. But for the rest of the league, for the rest of the country, no. Go void your bowels somewhere else.
1: They did. They did win a game. Ooh! Hey, they're one four and one.
0: That's correct, and that's mighty, mighty impressive.
1: They have three points, so they are not the worst team in the NHL.
0: They are not. Um, They are in fact presently in twenty seventh place.
1: Because Chicago has one point, Arizona has one point,
0: Montreal. Who it who, in their
1: sixth game of the season, finally a win first game, <laughs> They've got two points, along with wait for it. Vegas, <laughs> Seattle hey. is actually better than Vegas right now.
0: Uh, Seattle has played six games to Vegas is four, but okay,
1: I understand that, but v- Seattle, in a league based on which standings are based on the points, Seattle is currently better than Vegas, but they both have a win percentage of two fifty. So, okay. now, and technically Vegas is three scored scored three more goals or or has a difference that's three goals better than.
0: Now looking at the at the league standings at the moment.
1: Apparently, they did lose their home opener.
0: By the way, what two things surprise you most?
1: About the standings.
0: About the standings.
1: What two things surprise me most? Uh, I think Vegas being at the bottom is a surprise.
0: They are indeed seventh in the in the wild card race in the West. That's that's a little further down than I think most te- most places have They're them seventh
1: projected. Seventh in the wild card.
0: Seventh in the wild card for the West. Yes. So okay. the two the sixth the the top three teams in both western divisions and then seven uh, six teams ahead of them
1: <laughs> so seven. yes that that is a surprise to me for Vegas for uh, Vegas my other surprise and I don't know if I want to put this I don't want to put one team ahead of the other but it's kind of like a tie for me I guess I would have to have a top three. Because my other surprise would be both the Rangers and Edmonton.
0: I can see that. I mean, I.
1: I mean, what are you going to pick, Detroit? That they're actually doing well.
0: It's early enough in the season that I do not take the standings all that seriously.
1: Yeah, um, I get that, and that's.
0: I would. I mean, Minnesota has played and beaten the Ducks, the Jets, the Kings, and the Ducks again. Um,
1: <laughs> so Minnesota being 4-0 and is kind of misleading.
0: It, it, it is a little tiny bit misleading. Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton's schedule has been a little less uh, easy to swallow. Like today they play the Flyers. But they've already beaten Vegas, Arizona. Eh. They went six. they ugh, that's ugly. <laughs> they had to, they had to beat Anaheim six to five. Yeah. Um Calgary five to two. Edmonton three to two. I'm sorry, Vancouver three to two twice. Um Uh, even allowing for it being this early in the season I think my biggest surprise is that Tampa is even even though I know I said that they were taking a step back this year Tampa is is currently a 500 team yeah and the surprising part here is that they've got a negative six goal differential through their first five games
1: Apparently they're trying the Kucherov thing again.
0: Um, that's that's a little worrying. Yeah. When you look at the standings, though, of all of these teams, which three are not going to be? in I mean, looking at using the wild card uh, view, you've got the Rangers, Carolina, Pittsburgh leading the leading the Metro. Florida, Buffalo, Detroit leading the Atlantic. Uh, central is St. Louis, Minnesota, and Dallas, and then the Pacific is Edmonton, San Jose, and Vancouver.
1: Say which, that. Say that Atlantic one again. I just want. I I, I want to hear you say. Florida,
0: Florida Buffalo, and Detroit. Yeah.
1: And I wanted to hear you say Detroit again. <laughs> I mean, yes, they are a five hundred team. They've got a minus four goal differential. Uh, and had a very bad first game, although the first two periods of that game, he was stellar. And then in the third period, he, he um, channel, channeled his inner, didn't know how to play goaltender anymore. It was awful. He's since been a little bit better. But I mean, I mean, you look and I guess that should be the ultimate surprise is you look at these wildcard lists and it's like Boston eighth. Yeah,
0: I mean, Boston has played three games, and there are teams who have played as many as six uh, so far. So uh, a little bit of salt is necessary here.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, because certainly Boston's 667 win percentage should garner higher than Detroit's 500. But that's my point, is this is a league that's based on wins and number of points that you have and everything else. So, yeah, it's just funny when you look at these lists and you look at, like, Colorado, fourth in the wild card, you know, Vegas, seventh in the wild card. Yeah, you would expect the teams like Chicago, Arizona, Ella, and, well, even Chicago's kind of a surprise that they're as bad as they
0: are. I mean, looking at the Eastern wild card race, I would take all of the teams from four to eight. <laughs> I think all, all of those teams – we're we're in my playoff bracket to start. The
1: I do believe if I if I could go back and find the list quick enough, I do believe that yes, the Islanders, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, Philly. and Philly.
0: I mean, Toronto might not have been on there, uh, but they wouldn't have been far off. I mean, the West, the West. There's really only about four or five teams worth talking about, and one of those teams hasn't woken up yet.
1: I believe and that's the West the Chicago
0: is, Blackhawks.
1: I believe the West is squishy. Somebody needs to tell the Blackhawks the season started.
0: <laughs> it's not the preseason, guys. Um, yeah, you this is this playing. is the real thing.
1: <laughs> Somebody wake up, Mark Andre Fleury. This is the real thing now. <laughs>
0: okay, Jonathan Taze, your uh, your medical break is is over. It's it's time to start hockeying again.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's kind I'm, of new.
0: I think we can all safely agree that San Jose is not going to make the playoffs, despite starting four and zero.
1: California teams.
0: <laughs> I think we can all safely say that both Buffalo and Detroit will not be in the playoffs this year.
1: Buffalo is just—I don't know what's going on with Buffalo. They're winning record and, and
0: positive goal differential, and
1: positive goal differential. Yes,
0: <laughs> even Pittsburgh. I mean, we used to joke that the Penguins were better without Crosby than they were with.
1: And, <laughs> and they're, proving us, in, they're proving us right? What?
0: <laughs> they're 3 0 and 2. They're 3 and 2 with 8 points through 5 games. They have a plus 11 for goal differential in those 5 games.
1: So, let's see. In the East.
0: hmm. Only. Only Florida has a better goal differential than that. And that's only a plus only a plus 13.
1: So in the east, which would be the Atlantic and Metro, you had <clears throat> Tampa Bay, Boston, Florida, Carolina, Washington, and the Islanders. And I had Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto. Carolina, Washington, and the Islanders. So the only difference between two of us is Toronto and Florida. And by the way, when you look at those lists, how many of them are actually down in the wild card chase right now? It's like, oops. I just yeah I I think obviously you can't look at standings this early and I'm sure that some of the teams will look at it and be you know is Don Granado up there in Buffalo going look at the standings right now guys look where we are this is where we should be this is what we can do. you know how much is he using it as locker room fodder you know to to hype up the guys look what we can do look what we look what we're capable of when we play as a you know whatever the rhetoric might be
0: yeah when we stick to the system, guys, this is these are the results that we're going to earn.
1: We don't need Eichel. I think Don Granato's actually said that. In. <laughs> I don't
0: think I don't. I doubt Granado has actually said it, but it would not surprise me if Kevin Adams actually said it. Um, and there's some speculation on Eichel that he's going to file a grievance. Um,
1: oh. oh, look, a segue
0: <laughs> based on uh, the based on his dispute with the team. Uh, this is via Elliot Friedman uh, of Sportsnet, um, speculating. Unfortunately, um, and this is why we talked about it over the summer, being the key grievance or key dispute area between the Players Association and the league at the next CBA. Um, I don't know that Eichel is going to win it uh, if he files a grievance. I don't know that he's going to win. I agree with Friedman that it's it's tough because the team at this point has final say.
1: And that's a a problem with the – that's a problem in the CBA. They need to rectify that. I mean, the fact that the team can control what kind of procedures you have, whether you should have a procedure at all. I mean, especially when you've got doctors recommending other things to turn around and say, well, we're going to go the rest and relaxation route. Doctors are saying right now that he needs a surgery. You may you delayed it 12 weeks. Uh, yes, that was at the beginning, but it's still it's I don't get it. Hopefully it's something that they revisit at the next CBA.
0: Absolutely, I don't think. Um,
1: But even if he's traded, is that going to? Because that seems to be one of the things that they're hoping is that when he's traded, the new team will. I mean,
0: go along with his choice. Go along with
1: his demands. I mean, is that even something that he can ask for in a trade? Can he be like, "Can you assure me that if I'm traded, you know"? Because he doesn't have anything to say in the trade it's kevin adams and whoever the gm is with the team that he's working with
0: i mean realistically he could say i'm not going to report retire for a year and as long as his contract well he say if he says he's not going to report his contract will almost certainly be uh voided um there's a couple of different options it could be voided it could be told the thing is if the
1: team um, voids his contract then he's free to go anywhere else if by some nature he just retires when he unretires the contract that depending on how long the retirement is for I think yes. the contract still is in place if he decides to come back a year later
0: he ha- he or he that team gotta, the team who held the contract would have some rights but, to him
1: he still has to honor it yeah um and, and I that's can imagine him I can't imagine him wanting to step away from the game anyway. But
0: he's not playing at this point. How that's much true. is retiring actually going to hurt him? Um or non report or just not reporting if he's traded and they will still won't give him the surgery. Um on the injury front, uh the Bruins have suffered a rash of injuries in the last couple of days. Um and a couple of guys who some of us think should never have uh, been sent to Providence have been called up. Um, <laughs> Oscar Steen, according to Mark Diver, uh, is on his way back uh, to the Boston lineup. John Moore has, uh, to the Loan. laments of many, been lo- uh, loaned to the Providence Bruins.
1: Oh, has he? That's...
0: That's, that's a cry and shame
1: yeah that's heartbreaking
0: um we wish him well in all his future endeavors um and some guy named jack something or other has also been recalled
1: jack oh wait 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 i think i heard his name during during training camp
0: might have heard his name over the summer about you know weighing more or something like that i I don't remember all the details
1: put on some pounds yeah you know Got a little stronger. Um.
0: But on pounds, why would he have British money?
1: <laughs> My rocket is skint. <laughs> um, Jack Stodnicka, yes, has been called up. We're going to get to see what, if anything, and, it, and it all, I guess it depends on where they play him, too. I mean, they moved, they moved Nosek up to the second line.
0: That would be interesting.
1: Again, was it against Buffalo? They, they, they Felino get hurt. No, so they moved Nosek up to the third line. That's what it was. They moved Nosek up to the third. And they brought in Anton Bleed. He ended up playing wing on the fourth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they also had John Moore because um, John Moore? They wanted, no, because Bruce Cassidy thought that they had to change something, so he gave Connor Clifton arrest and put John Moore in, because that's where the issue was with oh, Connor definitely. Clifton. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure.
0: Brilliant. This is why you were in the <laughs> AHL for thirteen years. Oh, did that that came out loud. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. They could. They could all hear that. Yeah.
0: We'll edit that out. I promise. Nope. No.
1: No. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Uh, Bruins are believed to recall Stunica for their game against San Jose Sharks on Sunday after losing both Felino and Bleed to injuries. Um, Anton Bleed is dealing with an upper bar. Oh, it's a dreaded UBI for Anton.
0: There is nothing scarier than the UBI or the LBI or unless, of course, it's the undisclosed.
1: It'll be interesting to see where they actually place Danica if they if they do move him into because there's nothing Coyle's not hurt so he's not I can't imagine that Staniak is going to step in and and step in between Hall and Smith. There's no reason to do that and I don't no. see Cassidy doing it. Staniak is going to step in and he's either going to be centering third or fourth line.
0: Yeah, and even. Even uh, Smith is questionable for today's game against the Sharks. Um, So this is, this could be.
1: uh, Yes, the
0: Sharks are higher in the standings right now than the Bruins.
1: So Steen, so they, so Steen steps in better. So if Steen steps in.
0: If Steen steps in, I would assume that he's going to be on a lower line than. My guess is. Yes.
1: Yes. If, if if Smith does not play today, then yes, you could certainly put Stadnica in at center and, on the second line and move Coyle over to a wing.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: know I, that. I, still I don't, don't know see that, it happening, but.
0: I, I don't know that Cassidy is going to do that to him. Um, I think that you might see Stadnica get slid to the right end side okay. and uh, for a game or two. Um, or you could put him in at 3C and move Hala up to. Uh, up to the second line with Hall and and um, Coyle. Okay, because Halla, Halla has the speed to keep up with Taylor Hall, and the poor announcer is making making those uh, play calls. Hall and Halla together.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, I can see whoever's calling the game is going to love that.
0: Um, <laughs> I. i I don't particularly love that one just trying to keep it straight in my own head um one more thing we wanted to talk about uh slightly infuriating um you had posted about it a couple of weeks ago and we didn't get to it uh jared scald
1: jared scald former pittsburgh penguins coach Uh, he with the Penguins AHL, so that would be Wilkes Bar, Scranton Wilkes Bar. Excuse me. Yep. Um, alleges his wife was assaulted by a colleague, sexually assaulted by a colleague. Um, says he shouldn't be forced to go to private arbitration to settle settle his whistleblower lawsuit against the against the NHL team. Judge agreed to this and allowed the case to move to the discovery phase. This is the first, and, and and yes, this was last week, I believe, I first posted it. This was the first I had even heard of this. Yep. I mean, again, we're, we're talking about issues with NHL teams and players and co- and hiding stories like Chicago and whatever the heck his name I, 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 I
0: Brad Aldrich.
1: Again, we're back to hiding stories and asking. Now, the executive that they're talking about is now the GM of the Minnesota Wild. Correct. They're claiming that Bill Guerin asked the coach to not bring this up, to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, stop with the hiding stuff and now, that was not the word I wanted to use, but
0: the only the only thing that can make this less terrible, um, I- at least in the is it was believed that most of the contracts for personnel with the team had you know non disclosure or and or arbitration uh, clauses, yeah. It doesn't appear that that was the case for um, If Garen or someone above Garen instructed him to behave as if it were true, I guess that puts it into a murkier legal ground. Um, that's less personal. That's not personally heinous, but this is the sort of thing that, you know, I think as an organization – You know, if someone is provably crossing lines like that, you need to drop a building on them. You don't throw the book at them. You don't. There's no soft, oh, more in regret than sorrow, or more in sorrow and regret than anger movements of removing this cancer from your organization. You drop kick it into the sun, wipe your hands, and go find someone better. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I I don't want to talk about stories like this anymore. I hate, I really hate this stuff.
1: Um, it brings the game that we like
0: down. And it's not... It, look, the stuff that you could get away with in 1960 and 1940 and 1970... You're going to be lucky if your career survives it these days. If you make anything that looks like a cover up, anything. Um, the NHL can't afford to lose, can't afford to lose marketing revenue if uh, sponsors pull out. They can't, they can't afford boycotts. Just stop.
1: And the thing is, Bill Guerin, his his second career, I mean, his first career when he was an NHL player was really good. His second career in the front office, you know, he's shown that he's got the chops for the job. I mean, to the point where the U.S. Olympic men's hockey team named him assistant general manager. Yeah. I mean, look at the changes he's made in in Minnesota to.
0: And he hasn't been there long.
1: (sighs) But, for I mean, he's going to, and you, I don't know how to put this because it's just uh, no place in the game. And you're going to end up losing one of the good young front office personnel in the, and, and, and young. Yeah, he's, okay, he's retired from playing, but he's still young as far as GMs go. He's not Cheke Young, but. He's what in his forties,
0: maybe fifty. Yeah, he's he's got at least twenty plus years um, left on the clock if he's reasonably healthy.
1: And and something that something that he did that was entirely stupid when he was with the Penguins is going to come back to bite him in the butt. Yeah. Does he deserve it? If he actually told Scald to. Keep it quiet, then yeah, I think he
0: does. Uh, Bill Guerin will turn 51 on uh, November
1: 9th. Yeah, I, and, and unfortunately, yeah, I think he does. And we're going to end up, he's going to either get suspended. They're already talking about temporary permanent suspension from the U.S. program. Uh, nobody from the wild wants to make a comment on this. So yeah, I'm, it's just frustrating because instead of talking about hockey, we end up talking about stuff
0: like this. And that ladies and gentlemen is where we leave you. Um, I am going to go watch a couple of hockey games today. Yeah. Um, speedy and complete recovery to all the injured players right now. Um, drop us a line and let us know what you think. Anything else?
1: The well, They're on the way. Uh, Enjoy the hockey. We'll be back next week. Take care.